Hey there, I'm Andrew Yeager, and this is WBHM Politics. The ballot for state elections this fall is shaping up after Friday's deadline for candidates to qualify. And on the ballot, there's a notable number of women running for office this year. Governor and Chief Justice, both are women, and they're running to keep their jobs. The Me Too movement appears to have encouraged some women to jump into the fray as well. But any electoral success for women in Alabama would come from a relatively low starting point. Just 15% of state lawmakers are women. That's 45th among the states. Today, we'll discuss women in politics in Alabama. And we're joined by Stacey Probst, uh, Executive Director of Emerge Alabama. That's a group that recruits and trains progressive women to run for office. Uh, Stacey, thanks for being here. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure. Also with us is Susan DeBose with the Greater Birmingham Republican Women. Susan, it's good to have you here. Thank you for having me, Andrew. And also Kelly Dittmar. She's a political science professor with Rutgers University's Center for American Women in Politics. Uh, Kelly, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Stacy, I'd like to start with you because you're part of a group that is specifically charged with training and encouraging women, particularly Democratic women, to run for office. And as you've talked to folks that are coming uh, to run, sometimes for the first time, what sort of things are you hearing as far as why they are running? In Alabama, um, specifically, women are frustrated by their leadership. Uh, they don't feel like the leadership represents them. Um, it's male-dominated, to say the least. That would be an understatement. Um, and so the idea would be that if they want to focus on the issues that they care about, which are good economic um, conditions for them and their families, for jobs, for education, for better health, all of those things Alabama ranks at the bottom typically the bottom five, and so they are ready to step up and actually take leadership uh, because they don't see it happening, and it hasn't happened for many, many years. And Susan, when we look statistically, women candidates tend to skew Democratic, although there are plenty of Republican women. Are you hearing or seeing uh, similar enthusiasm on the Republican side when it comes to women running for office? Well, I think now's a great time for women to jump in and run for office. Um, I certainly don't think women are the only ones that can represent us. I think we can be well represented by men, but I think women should feel comfortable running for office, being involved in politics. Uh, their opinions should be heard. And in Alabama, it's surprising, but there are a lot of Republican women in high-level state offices. Of course, we've got the governor, as you've mentioned. We've got Chief Justice Lynn Stewart. You know, Alice Martin's running for attorney general. So I think all those women at the state level makes it comfortable for other women to run. The more, the better. Uh, but, of course, we're still looking for the most qualified. Being a woman doesn't necessarily qualify you. And, Kelly, uh, this certainly is a narrative that we're seeing across the country. Um, from a larger perspective, what are you seeing in terms of enthusiasm behind women candidates? So we at the Center for American Women in Politics track potential candidates, um, and then as folks file um, and nominations come to pass, we keep track of, obviously, the updated list of women candidates in any given cycle. In this cycle, we definitely are seeing an increase in both the number of women running as well as the proportion of women as a, as a um, proportion of the total number of candidates running. There's still, unfortunately, less than 25 percent of all the potential candidates we're tracking right now. But that proportion, again, has increased, and the number has increased significantly since the last election cycle. What is important, and I think to this conversation to note, is that almost all of that increase is happening among Democratic women. 
so we don't see any significant increase in, in some levels, a small decline or at least stasis in the numbers of Republican women running. And so the energy that we're seeing this cycle and all the news about the pink wave is really a democratic phenomenon. And it's something that obviously, you know, anecdotally we can say is inspired in part by last the last presidential election and the concerns among particularly progressive women about this administration and many of the policies that Stacey um, alluded to earlier. That same energy we're not seeing on the Republican side, not to say obviously Republican women are running and there are new Republican women coming to the table, but there doesn't seem to be the same sense of urgency and the same concerted effort to recruit women on the Republican side. I wonder, Susan, with that in mind, the fact that we do seem to see more energy on the Democratic side, for folks in Alabama, Republicans are in firm control. Do you think that might play into that dynamic in some way? You know, that's possible. Um, I heard um, Kelly say, you know, a sense of urgency to get women in politics. And I don't feel a sense of urgency to get women elected. I feel a sense of urgency to get qualified candidates, whether they be men or women, I think Republicans can do a better job, especially after hearing these statistics, to uh, recruit women, to run, and to train women. I would like to see some more of that here in our state. But I I don't feel urgent need for it. Um, Urgently, we need good, qualified leadership in the state of Alabama. You know, what's gone on with the governors for the last many years is embarrassing. I want a good, solid leader, man or woman. That's what I'm hearing. Stacy. as you train women to run for office here in Alabama, what are the types of things that you're telling them? How do you train a candidate? First of all, I think there's a mystique about politics. And certainly in the state of Alabama, maybe even more so, our political machine has made it such that people believe that only certain folks are allowed to run and they have to be handpicked um, and they need the money that's behind them. And I don't think qualifications often even come into it. Unfortunately, that mystique has prevented people who are not you know, embedded in politics already or who have been grown into that system to believe that they have any shot whatsoever. Um, I think that's also what's wrong with our voting here. People don't vote because they think they have no real voice. And in Alabama, it's much more about power than it is politics. Uh, It was a complete Democrat or Dixiecrat, however you want to refer to it. Now it's complete Republican, the supermajority concept. Um, We need two parties to function properly. Uh, Things are not getting accomplished in particular for women and children, in a devastating way, women's health and well-being is the, at the rock bottom in the country in Alabama. So we have the worst economic conditions. There are all kinds of things that women want to get into office and solve. And if that were happening already, we'd see it. We don't. So I, I do want to speak to the comment earlier about urgency. When I was speaking about urgency of women running this cycle, the urgency is, a, is around issues. It's not around just electing women. I do think there is obviously reason to support women to be uh, represented in government. You know, there are zero Republican women in the uh, Alabama Senate, and and that, in in many people's view, would be problematic, that you're not bringing a distinct perspective to the table. But I think the urgency you're seeing around women running this time is on issues that are of concern to their very daily lives, issues that they're advocating on, et cetera. So I just wanted to, to clarify that a little bit, but also to say that in the work that we do, we do make the case that 
just being a woman is not simply a matter of sex, but it is a matter of experience and perspective that you bring. So it is among the qualifications that you should consider in terms of what folks bring to office. When women actually do choose to run for office, how do they tend to fare uh, compared to male candidates? Once women do run, uh, we know that women fare largely the same at the ballot box as do their male counterparts. Um, so there's no particular gender bias when it comes to pulling that lever. That's largely because folks vote along party lines. Um, and so party is going to be the number one indicator for how folks cast their ballot. Where gender does play a role is earlier in the process in who we recruit and how we evaluate women candidates. What sort of standards do we hold them to that we might not hold uh, male candidates? Uh, what are the challenges that they may confront that are distinctive from men in media coverage or fundraising? Finally, is there a way in which women candidates bring a value and enthusiasm to a race that perhaps other candidates don't. And we do see that sometimes where women will encourage those, both women and other marginalized communities, to come out um, and both support a candidate and vote because they see that this is somebody who might bring a new and different and fresh voice to government, uh, governments particularly that have been dominated by men for so long. We do think that at the end of the day, as women navigate all those dynamics, they're just as able to be successful. Does that change at all for minority women? Yeah, so whenever we talk about challenges um, and distinct experiences in campaigns, we have to be careful to say that this is not universal to any one woman and any one woman type of woman candidate. In fact, Republican women face different challenges perhaps than Democratic women, and the women in Alabama are going to face different challenges than women here in New Jersey. For women of color, the intersections of race-based stereotypes as well as those stereotypes associated with gender are obviously create different conditions for them to have to navigate. Some of the challenges that we've seen in our research, particularly for women of color, include fundraising. So what sort of networks uh, have they been able to tap into in order to receive the same amount of financial support as other women, um, as well as their male counterparts? We've also seen challenges in recruitment, um, making sure that party leaders see women of color as viable candidates, and particularly as viable candidates outside of majority-minority districts. So we still have yet, for example, to elect a black woman governor or a woman of color Democrat as a governor nationwide, and part of that has to do with these assumptions as well as some of these stereotypical and fundraising challenges. I want to ask a question. I'll throw this out both to Susan and Stacy because certainly a Republican woman and Democrat wouldn't necessarily see eye to eye on on the issues. But just in general, what do you hope to accomplish by trying to get more women into elected office? Our mission is to build a pipeline of women. In this case, we have focused on Democratic women um, for a number of reasons. One is that the Republican Party has pushed uh, toward um, diminishing women. And you can see that in the administration right now uh, at the federal level. Merge America, the overall network, the national network, started 15 years ago. Um, and a good example of someone who was there at the very beginning was a woman named Kamala Harris, who's now Senator Kamala Harris. And, from California. Um, yes, and it began in California. Before the election in 2016, there were only 15 affiliates. And so now we're already up to 24. There was a very big push from women in states all over the nation to build their own pipeline. They do not see themselves represented in government. 
Um, however, they have to abide by the policies that are passed by those by those leaders. And so the purpose of all of this is to build a pipeline, much like we did in education. So education built a pipeline that has not turned into necessarily women being half of CEOs, but it will eventually. And so that's the same idea here, is that we have to build this pipeline of women who at least feel comfortable and are able to raise money that we can help as a network to raise money to run for those offices and feel comfortable doing so. Susan, what do you see as the difference having more women in leadership, more women in elected office makes apart from whatever positions she may hold? Well, it's hard for me to answer that because I will say I don't differentiate women issues so much from American issues because I feel like what is good for Americans are good for women. As women, we have men in our lives. I have a son. uh, I have a husband. And I don't see a whole lot of difference in women issues and American issues. You know, having said that, I would love to pull more women into politics. I would love for more women to feel a part of it, not necessarily just to run for office, but just to be educated in the issues. And, you know, what um, Stacy was talking about, this mystique of uh, elections in Alabama and who runs, it's true. It is kind of hard just to break into that and for women to feel comfortable in that. And so for women becoming educated and joining a group like Greater Birmingham Republican Women and listening to the candidates and going down to Montgomery with us and learning about the bills and just becoming involved It slowly works you into being comfortable with politics, and then the next step is running for office. Not just to represent women, but to represent all Alabamians and all of our issues. One thing I wonder about for Republicans in Alabama is, of course, you remember the Senate election that happened last year, and there were allegations around Roy Moore. And I talked to some Republican women that were very bothered by how the party as a whole responded to these allegations that we should say Roy Moore denied these allegations of sexual misconduct. But there were women, conservative women, who felt like those weren't taken seriously. I mean, do you see with the Me Too movement issues of sexual harassment being part of the public discourse right now that Republicans and Republican women are wrestling with those issues within their party? You know, I don't know. Sexual harassment is wrong. It's it's wrong today. It was wrong 10 years ago. It was wrong 20 years ago. I personally am glad that it's being brought uh, to the forefront, that there's a dialogue. I think it's going to help men and women. I think men need to speak up when they think this is going on. Women need to know this is not right. You know, I think the Me Too movement has been good for all of us. Uh, you know, the Roy Moore situation was phenomenon. Uh, Republicans, men and women, were between a rock and a hard spot to choose between a Democrat or a seriously flawed candidate. And a lot of Republicans chose not to vote. A lot of Republicans voted um, Democratic for the first time ever. And some Republicans just held their nose and voted for Roy Moore because they support the Republican issues. So it it was a tough thing. And it was just a storm of events that led to Roy Moore, in my opinion, even being our candidate. And Stacey, coming out of the Senate election, Alabama elected a Democrat for the first time in in a quarter century to the Senate. Is that playing into what you're hearing or what you're feeling on your side of the aisle? Well, it's interesting um, because getting Judge Jones elected um, (laughs) in many ways was a female effort. (laughs) I mean, it was women on the ground. It was women voting Uh, grassroots organizing in every community across the state. So um, a lot of women sort of got their feet wet for the first time in a real political campaign because they jumped on board and saw this opportunity and realized that they wanted to, in this very special election, 
they wanted to motivate and change the politics of Alabama to shift it. And uh, they accomplished that. And so is there a momentum behind what's happening with the women in our state? Absolutely. I mean, you're seeing them come. I've seen a lot of women step up. Um, one of the things you find out is that women need to be asked probably more than once to run, um, to be challenged because they do often want to be qualified or overqualified. Men don't have that problem. Women I've been asking for six months or eight months all of a sudden filed in the last week uh, of the, before the filing deadline. And I was overwhelmed and blown away and so thrilled to see those women come out of their places and step up to leadership. And they were women who worked the Doug Jones campaign before the campaign even got to town. It, it is the momentum behind the 2016 election of women to start to take their own fate into their hands and the fate of their children and their families. And I agree with what Susan was saying. It's um, one of the reasons that we're doing this is to make sure that the women who are running are qualified. We vet them. They come into the program with great skill sets to begin with, and then we give them the tools that they need to, to run the best campaign they can run. We're not running women just to run. Um, this is about getting women elected, and Emerge America's overall uh, rate of success is very, very high. So women who get to their general election who are Emerge trained um, win 73% of their generals. Now that is a huge number, and it is responsible for, for instance, the Virginia House of Delegates almost turning over. So turning just, from Republican to Democrat. Yes, turning from Republican to Democrat. So um, it's a powerful, powerful movement, but Emerge started 15 years ago. We didn't just come to the table last year. It just came to Alabama last year. That's different. Kelly Dittmar, once you get women elected to office, uh, elected to legislatures in significant numbers, in general, do you see the culture, the character, the types of issues discussed? Is that affected by having more women We've done research on this for decades now, and we just recently completed uh, extensive look at the impact and influence of women in Congress um, by interviewing 83 of the women in the 114th Congress, so uh, about 80% of the women at one time. Um, and we asked them all about this. In what way does it make a difference that you are here as women? Um, because I do think there's a bit of a pushback always to say, well, women and men are the same and we all bring the same things. But in reality, we know that's not true. Men and women don't experience life in this country in the same way. If Me Too doesn't remind us of that, um, then shame on us, right? That there is there are distinctly different realities that women and men face based on history um, and institutions that are, are gendered in our society. And therefore, having women at the table and a diversity of women at that table brings uh, a value, a sort of value added to any conversation about public policy that is going to affect the populations that share those same backgrounds, identities, and experiences. And so when we spoke to women in Congress and in our previous research looking more objectively at bill sponsorships and speeches that women make in legislatures. We find that women do bring distinctive perspectives, and more importantly, they bring passion and prioritization of issues and agenda items that might have otherwise not ever gotten the light of day. That is different for each group of women, but there are there is a general tendency to see more focus on issues that matter to women, to families, and that's a range of issues. And we know that women also can help to change the dynamics of the institution as well. 
Um, so in Congress, you saw a shift away from some of the late-night meetings, um, meeting in a sort of bar or boys' club setting, because as women gain leadership positions, they had to be available to meet um, you know, in the light of day in more transparent settings. We also, the women told us repeatedly that their approach to governing was to get things done and to be effective. And to do so, that often will take the willingness to work across party lines to collaborate and compromise. This doesn't mean that women aren't partisans. They are. But it does mean that they see and have a different motivation sometimes than their male counterparts who are more likely to be in the job and seek the sort of ego and accomplishment on an individual level. Um, it's been hard for these women to get to the positions they're in, and they want to see results. And so they're more willing to, to work through the process even across party lines in order to do so. Well, as we wrap up this conversation, Kelly, what will you be watching for this fall as we have midterm elections across the country, but also elections in state houses as well? I think that we'll see um, and be paying attention to how this increase in the number of women candidates translates into increase in women's representation, how women fare this year. Um, and then after this year, to sort of continue the focus on making sure that we continue to keep women's engagement up and energy and enthusiasm for running for office, uh, sustain that through the next election cycles, as well as increase the pool, particularly on the Republican side, because we're never going to get to gender parity in government if we don't have women representing us from both sides of the aisle. Susan, uh, Stacy, apart from the, the desire to have your side uh, win elections. Um, what do you be watching for the elections here in Alabama? Well, I do have my eye on several women in Alabama that are running at every level, um, especially at the statewide elections. Um, at our group, we are having all of the candidates come speak to us. We're going to have candidate forums in every, um, you know, for every office. Um, and I'm going to be listening to all of them. And I'm going to be choosing the person that I think can do the best job for Alabama. And I hope we see some women in there. But again, that's not going to be my priority. I'm going to pick who I think can do the best job for the state of Alabama. I'm about jobs. I'm about the economy. I'm about keeping unemployment low. I'm about low taxes. You know, support the conservative issues. And that's who I'm going to be looking for. And I think Republicans need to do a better job recruiting women. We need to do a better job training women and making them feel comfortable and Women in Alabama need to educate themselves and, you know, don't just sit there and yell at the TV. And Stacy, uh, what are you going to be watching for this fall? The momentum I was speaking about earlier. I mean, I think ultimately the history of Alabama is dominated by white men, period. I mean, there's just no way around that. That's just factual. Um, and it's time for, you know, at this point, only 31 percent of the adults in Alabama are white and male. And um, they are essentially a minority in leadership. And we want to start to shift um, that leadership to look more like the people of Alabama, the people who actually have to live day to day with the policies that are instituted. And we have such a level of corruption in Alabama and such a pay to play, um, which we've seen as the three leaders of each um, branch of government was taken down for a variety of reasons, but all nefarious. What I like to see is new leadership, fresh leadership, people who care more about as, um, as Kelly said earlier, getting things done versus winning. I may be a Democrat, um, but I grew up Republican in the state of Alabama. I grew up here. So it's not as if I don't understand that point of view. The problem is I personally think that the Republicans have, have drifted far 
from the republicanism I grew up with. And so it's time to take a hold of the reins ourselves. That was uh, Stacey Probst, Executive Director of Emerge Alabama. Stacey, thanks for being here. Thank you. Also, uh, we've heard from Susan DeBose with the Greater Birmingham Republican Women. Susan, thanks to you. Thank you, Andrew. And also in the discussion, Kelly Didmar. She's a political science professor with Rutgers University's Center for American Women in Politics. Kelly, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. And that's it for this edition of WBHM Politics. The show is produced by Gigi Duban and myself. Our theme song is by local Birmingham guitarist Eric Essex and is called Find Your Way. Let us know what you think. Send us a message through the WBHM Facebook page or tweet at us. We're at WBHM or you can use the hashtag WBHM Politics. If you haven't subscribed, please do it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would, help us out by writing a review. I'm Andrew Yeager. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.